When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. We're back and we're back in business. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Who? The fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, thanks to BetOnline. Yes, I'm back. I am uh, currently, for people watching the video, I'm currently in an Airbnb in Sacramento, California. Uh, it has been a heck of a move. I, I don't need to get into details, but it's 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 been a heck of a move. I still do not have a house. We're in contract, though, Greg. We're hopefully like two weeks away. And the biggest difference is that my man Greg, he has done some. Uh, he's done some work, and he's lost some lbs. You're looking. You're That's looking how long trim. you've been away, man. <laughs> <laughs> you've been away so long that I lost a a twelve year old. Uh, so yeah, I mean, thank you. Nick is finally back from apparently, I, I don't know if you've heard the jokes that I've been laying on you, but I've been like, apparently Sacramento is the Bermuda triangle where there's no internet or anything because (laughs) Nick just went out West and he dropped off the face of the earth. Like Lewis and Clark for crying out loud. (laughs) It's, it's it's trying to put all these things together, cobble it all together. We, We got the microphone finally early this week or last week or whatever it was. And, I was living in a hotel for a full month and that like that Wi-Fi was dropping in and out. And then we thought we had it figured out. So again, I'm at an Airbnb now for the next couple of weeks, but we are, uh, we are uh, ready to move into a house. We're in contract. We got the appraisal yesterday. So hopefully fingers crossed in the next week right. or two, I'll actually be in a house with my podcast room and the microphone I usually use with actual good headphones and all that stuff. But I am here. I'm pumped. You know, I, I couldn't wait to do this again. I've I've missed it. I haven't missed Greg, but I've missed the podcast. And uh, <laughs> you sound like know, my wife. <laughs> I know, I know. Greg wants my quick thoughts on the end of the season before we uh, before we start to talk about yep. Josh Allen and and has Greg Bedard actually changed his tune on Josh Allen? We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But first, you know, my thoughts really quickly here. Really, Greg, it's it's stuff that we've talked about before the season kicked off, stuff we talked about early in the season. It came back to bite the Patriots. I mean, you look at the lack of a true number one receiver. I remember our conversation about Julio Jones. And listen, you nailed that puppy, by the way. Julio was not Julio. You saw it on film. You said it. You were right. Uh, we talked about OBJ. I thought OBJ was worth the risk. You know, I'm not telling you it would have worked out as as mm-hmm. great as it worked out with L.A., but I think the proof's in the pudding. The Patriots could have outbid anybody. They decided not to. I think that bit them in the ass eventually. So the lack of that true number one receiver who could get open when everything else was bothering this offense, Mac just didn't have that guy. And I read I read your stuff on Mac. And I agree with you. He just, he just did not have that guy. Kendrick Bourne did great in his role, but that true number one bona fide cat who can get open, they didn't have it. We talked about the lack of speed. 
How many times over the last two years, Greg, you and I have talked about the lack of speed on this defense, especially at the second level linebacker. And you could really see it when you're watching these playoff teams, even a team like the Bucks with White and David who got eliminated. I mean, go back. If, if anybody watched that Eagles Bucks game wild card round, look at those safeties and look at those linebackers for Tampa and how they completely snuffed out the run game of Philly coming up downhill, making plays sideline to sideline. I thought the lack of speed on the defensive end killed this team, especially with Hightower and Bentley. We talked about the secondary. It was thin. The Gilmore thing. You thought they should have traded Gilmore earlier than they did. And we talked about Jalen Mills being the number two guy. Neither you nor I were confident in the depth of this secondary. That hurt them. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I would say, though, the coaching issues. I mean, the last time we spoke, it felt like, I mean, this team, I think, went one and four since I've been gone. It, it, it felt <laughs> like, you know, right before I left, I believe they were coming off that Buffalo win on Monday night. And it felt like the coaching staff had righted the ship. And then we started to see some of the things we saw early in the season. And it was rather obvious to me that the coaching staff wasn't as good as it has been in past years. And uh, I hope that they look at that this offseason. So those are just my quick general thoughts on what happened since I've been gone. Now, do you agree or disagree with my observations? Well, no, I, you know, I, I, I agree with them. I mean, like you said, uh, a lot of the issues that came to the fore in the final five games of the season were stuff that we talked about all year that we were like, all right, yeah, they've won seven games, but what happens when they go up against a team with a good quarterback with multiple weapons and somebody that can spread them out and sort of expose their flaws. And then, you know, offensively, you know, you, you know, that I was a guy who, and I'm still a guy and, and some of it takes, will take some study to determine in the off season, exactly what Mac Jones needs in terms of, you know, is he like Tom Brady? Does he need a slot? And, and is that the priority or do you think that they, that he's a better, you know, downfield thrower or outside the numbers thrower and you decide, all right, no, we, we need the stud on the outside, not on the inside. I'm going with the, it's the Patriots scheme. I think they need a slot that moves the chains that somebody that Mac can depend on, you know, every drive to say, all right, if I get into trouble, this guy I know is going to get open. You're, you're Welker, you're Edelman, you're Troy Brown, right. that type of guy. The one thing I'm, I'm curious to you, Nick, because, you know, you come from, you know, more of a Patriots fan perspective and you've been watching from afar um, these last five games. Considering how the season went, nine and four, number one seed in the AFC, uh, choked just about everything away down the stretch, uh, could only put another 50 burger on the Jaguars. Um, in your opinion, um, how successful of a season do you think this was at the end of the day? I think it's macro micro, right? I mean, I think when you look at the at the short term and what this season could have been, it, it's certainly disappointing that they ended the way they ended. And look, I, I think Buffalo, watching that game, and we'll get into it, Buffalo, Kansas City, it's rather obvious those are the two best teams in the AFC. And arguably, those are the two best teams in football. Um, now, maybe Cincy will shock the world on, on Sunday. But, you know, I don't think they would have had – much success against Buffalo anyway with this roster. Uh, could they have played better and could it have been tighter? Certainly. Uh, but I don't think they're beating Buffalo. It was disappointing. Some of the other things we saw, I thought the Colts game was a disaster, especially coming off of a bye. It's just ridiculous. Um, I thought the Miami game was even more of a disaster. 
there's no excusing those two games. Those are just bad games. They, those are games that are winnable. But big picture, I go back to what I said at the beginning of the year when we did our predictions and our thoughts. 11-6 and six is what I had. Um, get into the playoffs with a rookie quarterback is a really good first step. Maybe win a playoff game depending on matchup. Again, with the Bills, no shot. If they played better in Indy, if they played better in Miami, then they wouldn't have to face the Bills. Uh, they put themselves in that position. So it's disappointing that they that they failed at the end of the year and did not put themselves in better position because I do think against some of those other teams, they might have had some more success. I even think against Cincinnati, they might have had maybe some more success. Yep. But w- when you look at it, you know, the tail end of the year was, was a mess, and that's disappointing. But big picture, I feel like this team is close to what we thought they were going to be. You know, 10 wins, 11 wins, get to the playoffs – kind of try to forget about 2020, put it in the rearview mirror. And the most important thing, Greg, to me is that they have a quarterback. And I, you know, you were on this early in camp. You liked what you saw. There were the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, as we expected from the quarterback. But the picture, I feel really good about Mac. And I think they have some pieces, but, you know, they, they have a lot of work to do to go from where they are right now to where they ultimately need to be, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, I largely agree with you. I mean, I do think, uh, you know, I mean, for them to fall behind collectively in their four losses down the stretch, I think it was a total of 84 to 14. I mean, that's just, it's unexcusable. I mean, you just can't, you know, yeah, you know, some promising things, but considering, you know, Belichick went with a veteran roster again, brought back his guys, we knew it was going to be on defense. That defense was going to have to get this team turnovers, extra possessions. Um, you know, for them to, to to come out of the gate against, you knew, Colts, big game. Buffalo at Gillette, huge game. You know, Miami, down in Miami, huge game. Playoff game in Buffalo. To fall behind by two scores in every yeah. single game. Like it's just, it's unpre- unprecedented for a Bill Belichick team, a Patriots team. I think it points to uh, issues within the team. Uh, you know, a lot of which we've talked about on here. I've written about, about the disconnect, especially on defense between uh, the coaches and the players. And that's what it looked like on film to end of the season. Uh, I, I don't know where the breakdown happened and we've talked about it, so I don't want to rehash it, but uh you know, I, I, you know, I do think largely the arrows pointing out up, but I, I do think you're right. When you talk about, you look at the class of the AFC and I think, uh, you know, as, as well as the Patriots did overall, I think in free agency this past year, um, it just showed the end of the season again. And it was a lot like 2019 that the, the Patriots are paying the price for basically drafting horribly for about five to seven years there. And like one draft and one free agency class is not going to make up for it. I mean, they can, they compete. Can they win, you know, one off here and there against good matchups? Yeah. But they need to get a lot better uh, across the board uh, for them to compete. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, look, there's absolutely zero excuse for Miami and Indy. I I just thought that was awful. And, you know, then you you had the kind of like fraudulent, you know, smackdown of Jacksonville, which made you feel like, okay, well, maybe they're trying to get their ducks in a row. That was the quote unquote, get right game. And then they went to Miami and stunk up the joint. So it was, again, it was a disappointing ending, but as you said, big picture, 
the arrows pointing up. Let's get to uh, Greg Bedard now, who has to <laughs> say his piece about Josh Allen. And I-, I was looking at the notes before we started this podcast. And if you forgot who I am, Nick Cattles, I'm back. Glad to be back. Um, you have changed your tune, I believe, Greg, about Josh Allen a little bit here. Uh, it's time for you to, uh, as you put it, I think the word is surrender. So surrender, yeah. sir. I, I, I surrender. I <laughs> bend the knee, what have you. Um, Mr. Allen, uh, you know, you have achieved elite status. What we saw on Sunday night, like I am not a fool. I am not an ignoramus. I am not uh, too proud to, uh, you know, admit I wouldn't say the error of my ways because I, I I don't take back any of what any of my assessments to Josh Allen to this point. I think he he like I said before and why I hadn't put him in elite status. I viewed him very much like Andrew Luck, which certainly capable of great moments. Uh, but and he led his team to an AFC Championship game at Gillette, where you know he he and the Colts fell apart, similar to the Bills in Kansas City last year. And uh, I, I thought that after two years, he was not a good quarterback. And if I were the Bills, I would have at least, you know, drafted a guy, you know, maybe second, third round to give myself options. I'm also one of those guys who would draft a quarterback every other year because I don't think you can go poor drafting quarterbacks and, and, and selling them if need be. Right. Uh, year three was unprecedented improvement in, in the NFL, and I wasn't ready to buy in. And Quite frankly, I don't think he was elite last year. I think that what you saw down the stretch in the playoffs, you know, if if the Colts had a quarterback uh, other than Phillip Rivers or even Carson Wentz, somebody who was capable of quarterback, the Colts beat them in the first round in Buffalo. I agree. Uh, the game was there for the taking. The yep. divisional game, he tried to give it away, uh, got lucky there, and then finally caught up with him in Kansas City. And then this year, he was very up and down. He was not anywhere close to the MVP of the league halfway point. The the Bills were not winning because of him. Uh, and he was still making a lot of the same mistakes. And then, and I think we talked about it on here. You know, they had the they had the win game against the Patriots. I, you know, he could have, if he was great, he would have made a play to win that game. He didn't. Okay. You go to the next week, they fall behind. 24 to three, I think it was to the bucks at halftime. And you're just like, and he was part of the issue through a bad interception or two in that game. And you're just like, uh, you know, it's the same Josh Allen. And then the second half against Tampa watching that uh, to me was the most impressive stretch of football. I had ever seen Josh Allen play. He basically took the team on his back. And I think the bills, the bills realized some things too. And, and I think, that second half proved to Dayball and Sean McDermott that, you know what, we can put more on his plate. Uh, we don't have to worry about him, uh, you know, throwing the game away or, you know, making the big mistake because he stopped doing that. That was the biggest thing to me. He still makes the same Josh mistakes. Like even again, even on Sunday, he had uh, he had the near he had the fumble that bounced right back to him. And it was one of those typical plays where he gets into trouble. Then he starts to back out of it. And he's not holding on to the ball, and they and they swiped at it. And if the Chiefs recover there, it might I might not be giving in. But it bounced right back to him. There was uh, late a throw behind Cole Beasley that was almost picked off. There was a check down to Singletary from like a yard away where it was almost a complete disaster. 
So he still has those plays, but here's the difference with Josh Allen now and why he has he has ascended to elite status for me. He he takes the easy plays now. He didn't used to do that. He will take the checkdowns and be happy with eight or nine yards. He his running ability, which they've encouraged now, uh, probably takes some of the plays away where he might force something. Yeah. Um. And and make a big mistake. So you combine all those things, and now he is a much better product. Where Josh Allen is elite. He's going to be trouble for the Patriots. It's one of these off seasons now where Bill Belichick and his staff need to sit down and they say, all right, look. And I think Bill Bill recognized this too. I think Bill and I were in alignment on how we felt about Josh Allen for a long time, um, probably until the Gillette game this year. And he, Bill went into the Bill's locker room, probably largely to go in there to tell Josh Allen, you know, and we heard Josh Allen. Uh, you know, basically told them like, you know, we couldn't stop you and stuff like that, even though a lot of that had to do with the Patriots and their <laughs> current constitution. But, you know, I think Bill, Bill, Bill bent the knee also going to the locker room and saying that he's like, you know what, you're no longer the same guy and uh, you know, hats off to you. So I think Bill realizes now I'm going to have to figure out in the off season, how we're going to match up with the bills and Josh Allen, because he's not going away. He's now elite. He's big trouble, and he's the best quarterback we've ever faced in the AFC East, and uh, it's going to cause us a lot of thinking and scheme development and personnel decisions because they're going to need to stop that guy. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen has been really difficult to break down as somebody who watches a lot of football like you do, Greg, and you know, I've watched my fair share of football over the last few years, and He's been difficult because, as you said, he does have these up and down moments and within games from week to week. I mean, even at the, you know, towards the tail end of this year, everybody wants to point to the New England game, which I think is easy pickings because we saw it happen again in the playoffs. But against the Jets, he wasn't very good. Against the Falcons, he wasn't very good. Against the Jaguars, he was awful. So Mm -hmm. there are these games that he just looks bad and there are plays that he looks bad. I think the difference is this. We've got to learn and adjust our point of view about quarterback play in the NFL. And what I think is happening here is the nature of the quarterback position has changed over the past couple of years. And guys are more willing to take risks. And guys are told to take risks. And guys who run the football and extend plays by their nature take more risks. There's not as many quarterbacks stand in the pocket guys that we see like you know even mac jones at the end of the year one of the changes we saw was he was actually breaking contain a little bit and rolling out and making plays he did it against buffalo in the playoff game a couple of times so i think what we have to learn now is that these players these quarterbacks that are coming into the league they are more willing to take on risk and with that risk they make some boneheaded plays and even mahomes at times makes boneheaded plays i mean Last year, I think he had like 15 to 18 interceptions dropped. Uh, Let's not forget that for like a full month, month and a half this year, he wasn't very good. So I I think even the best of the best, the way they play the game now opens themselves up forever. And so we have to adjust what we see as an elite quarterback. Elite quarterbacks nowadays, they will make mistakes that we didn't see elite quarterbacks make as often years ago. It just kind of goes with it. And the more that Allen runs and the more that he's given the you know right to run that offense and, and extend plays like he does, 
he's going to make some stupid plays. And I, I agree with you. I thought there were two or three of them against the Chiefs, especially that that pass to Singletary, uh, just a disaster. I think it was supposed to be a screen. He should have thrown it at the feet of the running back or straight down into the ground. And he still tried to complete the pass, which he miraculously did, but it didn't end up being a turnover. That's one of those plays where you look back and if he makes it, you know, if he doesn't make it and it's a turnover, you go, oh my God, there's Josh Allen again. That's just going to be mm -hmm. part of his game. The, the one thing I will say before we jump to a couple of other things we want to discuss today, especially Mac Jones and the Patriots and what they need to do to combat the Bills and everything. Um, Josh Allen is elite. Sean McDermott, it doesn't sound, Greg, like you're ready to bend the knee for Coach McDermott. <laughs> no, and look, uh, you know, I, I've sort of fluctuated on on Sean. I, you know, I've always had a great deal of respect for him and, and you know, the way he's gone about his career and how he's built him built his career and built the bills with Brandon Bean. Uh, I, I knew as soon as they got hired there, I was like, that's a good combo uh, that that they got going up there in Buffalo. And, you know, that's come to fruition. Now, you know, I don't love McDermott his sideline antics and all he does is complain about officiating after every play or, or he's, or he's running over to pick up Josh Allen, but mostly is bitching at the officials drives me crazy. <laughs> um, you know, but what happened at the end of the game with the chiefs to me that the bills lost that game leading, uh, with 13 seconds left, just it's solely on Sean McDermott. Yep. He lost the game yep. for the bills. You, have to everybody knows it this isn't hindsight anybody who knows anything about football knew in the moment that when it came to it you're thinking all right well they have to kick the ball in play and you know either you squib kick it or you pop up pop up a kick around probably like the 10 yard line where you make them well if they're under orders a fair catch fine fair catch it at the at the 10 yard line. If, if right. no, if no time runs off the clock in there at the 10 yard line, you're okay. But most coaches would have squib kicked it and made them run three or four seconds off the clock where you're yep. only getting, you know, you're pro you might not get two plays and they certainly wouldn't be the ones that they just uh, dealt with, you know, that, that the Tyree kill and then the Travis Kelsey play. If you get it like with, if they have it with nine seconds left, now they need to probably go to, midfield uh from about the 30 say they need to pick up at least 25 yards um they probably only have time for one play really and you can defend it differently uh so that that to me was a complete coach, coaching blunder i don't like how he hasn't taken he just said something about execution the kicker didn't look like he had any thoughts about popping up the ball he just kicked the crap out of it he's the head coach he's in charge of that and then you know, even with what happened, he took a timeout before each of the plays that the Chiefs ran. Great. Get on the same page. How does that not entail paying special attention to Tyreek Hill, number one, and Travis Kelsey? How are you not bumping the guy? How are you not doubling Tyreek Hill? How are you not, you know, whatever. But to, to set up your defense, and that's the head coach's responsibility, you know, don't leave it on the coordinator, not not in that circumstance. Uh, for them to, to, to just be bad on three consecutive plays to end the game and and keep the team from going to AFC Championship game, to me, it's 100% on Sean McDermott. I agree with you. I thought it was... I thought it was a collapse by the coaching staff and Leslie Frazier also needs to be brought into this thing where, you know, 
I know there's questions about rushing four at that point in the game. Is it, is it necessary to rush four guys? And, and some of the other things that they did, the squib kick was the most obvious. But, yeah, I mean, I, and that's, you know, it drove me crazy about the overtime thing. People were throwing it out there about the coin flip. It's, listen, like, I know the overtime rule isn't great. And, you know, could we try to tweak it to make it better? Sure. But mm-hmm. don't give up a 75-yard touchdown drive in under a minute. Don't give up a 44-yard field goal drive in 13 seconds to push it into overtime. And then the last time I checked, when they flip the coin, they don't then turn to the team that wins the coin toss and say, congratulations, you just won this football game. You can actually go out there and play defense and and try to force them into a field goal and not give up a 75-yard touchdown game losing drive. So I just think the overtime conversation and the coin flip conversation bails out the defense. And we need to talk about, hey, look, you do have an opportunity to not give up a touchdown in overtime and get the football back and win the game. And Buffalo's defense, which was, I think, the number one scoring defense in football this year, they fell apart in the final three minutes. That's just what happened. And that's on Frazier and that's on McDermott. Uh, Before we get to Mac Jones, uh, I know we got to get to our fine friends at uh, BetOnline, betonline betonline.ag. Stick with them, of course, throughout the playoffs. Uh, we got... Plenty of big games left, and then we still have uh, that little thing we like to call uh, the NCAA tournament coming up in March as well. you got the Masters, a lot of stuff going on. Greg, tell them all about betonline.ag. I'm worried about my guys from Rutgers. Like, you know, they lost to Maryland last night. They were god-awful against Maryland. Uh, Now they're going to need a big Big Ten run, to a deep run to go to the tournament. But I hope they do because I would like to wager on them over at betonline.ag. <laughs> BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50 to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and Nick Cattle's favorite UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage for all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, and I'm just a quick flight away from Vegas right now. So, uh, oh man, hey, who knows what's going to happen over the next, you know, few months? Uh, All right, let's jump to the Pats now. I see a lot of people tweeting out. And I think the general reaction after that Chiefs-Bills game was, holy crap, the Patriots are well behind those two teams. And immediately, because this is the way it works in football, people look at the quarterback. Greg, to you, is Mac Jones the reason why the Patriots can't compete right now with with the Bills and or Chiefs? No, not even close. I mean, and, and I don't know how people who have watched the Patriots over the years and specifically Tom Brady uh, can, can look at that and come away with that conclusion. I mean, look, Tom Brady later in his career, uh, you know, could throw the ball really well, manipulate the pocket, but we all know his competitiveness and his mind were really what set him apart. He, he didn't have the biggest arm in the world. Wasn't as elusive as a lot of people, probably not even as elusive as Mac Jones, but, and, and look, I'm not saying that, Mac Jones's arm strength is even the same as Tom Brady's early in his career. I, I think it would be an instant argument. I think it's pretty close. Um, but no, I don't think that Mac Jones was 
is is part of the issue. I think Mac, you got to remember, Mac Jones was a rookie. Okay, everybody needs to slow down. I mean, what was Patrick <laughs> Mahomes doing as a rookie? He was sitting behind Alex Smith. Right. Okay. You know what was uh what was Joe Burrow doing as a rookie? Well, he got hurt and he was decent before that, but he wasn't lighting the world on fire. He certainly wasn't in the elite quarterback conversation like he seemingly is now. Now that Josh he has Allen. Jamar Chase on the on the you know Josh Allen as a rookie was a complete disaster. Um. You know, so we we can keep going through it. So he was a rookie. You know, he basically was going nonstop from the national championship, Alabama season, all the way through this season. He's barely had a break, probably hasn't had much time to hit the weight room and all that stuff. Um, I think Mac Jones is just fine. I think his arm strength is fine. I, I There haven't been many times, a few times, and I wonder about him in the wind. But again, he's a rookie where I'm like, all right, maybe that's a little bit iffy. But there were, you know, the 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 game in Buffalo, not not the game in Buffalo. Yeah, the playoff game in Buffalo. I'm sorry. I thought Mac Jones played really well in that game. I, I was agree really with you. encouraged by what he did. Yep. I mean, that throw to Nelson Aguilar, nine times out of ten, it's a touchdown, or at least it's just knocked away. You, you know, the safety made a tremendous play. But it's zero degrees outside, and he put it on – the, the button from about 45, 50 yards away. There were other throws. His first throw of the game was on the other hash mark, and he throws a comebacker to Kendrick Bourne. That's an NFL-level throw. It's not somebody with a pop-gun arm. You know, will it get better? Yes. I, I've covered guys. Like, I remember covering Matt Flynn with the Packers, who went on to sign a big money deal with the Seahawks, <laughs> got, you know, uh, taken over by Russell Wilson. Yep. But you want to see a quarterback without an NFL-level arm? That's... That's Matt Flynn. That's Chad Pennington towards the end of his career after his shoulder surgeries and things like that. Mac Jones is not those guys. Mac Jones can make every NFL throw. Can he get better? Can he get probably 20 to 25% better on those over, you know, as he ages in his career? Yeah. To me, the Patriots falling behind in the AFC is not about the quarterback. And, and, and I hate people making it the NBA. Well, you need this guy. You need that guy. Well, you know, Patrick Mahomes doesn't win all the time. Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen doesn't win all the time. He can be defensed by the Panthers and the Falcons and the Jaguars. You know why? Because they're faster on defense. And they can, you know, at times can cover people and can get after the quarterback. So to me, this is about, like you said, I think that the, the, when you look at the NFL game, what you have to understand is what happens in college is going to come to the NFL uh, uh, eventually. Yep. I don't watch very much college football. I know Nick probably watches a lot more. But since when do 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 quarterbacks dominate the college game? They don't. What dominates? Talent and the ability to get off the field once in a while. Georgia won that national championship game because they have a lot of weapons and they have some good guys on defense, fast guys on defense, and they were able to stop Alabama enough times. That's what the game is. And so to me, when you look at it, the Patriots don't have enough viable weapons where you can spread them out or scheme it where the defense has to cover these guys and make it easier for the offense. That's what makes your offense uh, unstoppable. That's what made the Bills unstoppable, not Josh Allen. It was the emergence of Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox and Isaiah McKenzie, along with Stephon Diggs. You put all those guys out there. What the hell is the defense supposed to do? Somebody's going to be open to get a, a, or at least somebody's going to have a good matchup. Yep. Um, you know, why did, you know, why did, uh, why did San Francisco beat 
Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen because they had a good defense that could generate negative plays and cover the Packers. And so to me, the Patriots right now, their issues are about not enough weapons to make the defense respect them and make them tougher to defend and not enough speed and cover guys and, and guys just, just can create negative plays on defense. You up the Patriots talent level in those areas. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but you up their, their ability in those areas and the Patriots are right there with any of them with Mac Jones. I agree with you. I mean, look, look at all the teams that are left, right? I mean, the Rams, they go out and they get OBJ to help with the, all the other weapons that they already had. You look at the Niners, not a good offense. Like Jimmy G is not good. Will we stop with the Jimmy G? All he does is win stuff. Yeah, he all he does is win <laughs> when his special teams comes up with four miraculous plays in a playoff game, when his defense is playing out of their minds, when they can run for 200 yards. Yeah, he wins because he stays out of the way long enough. But they have Debo Samuel, who to me is one of the best offensive players in football. When you look at, obviously, the AFC, Jamar Chase going to the Cincinnati Bengals changed that offense, even though I still would have liked them to pick an offensive lineman and their O-line is trash and they yep. gave up nine sacks last weekend. Mm -hmm. They still have Chase. And we all and they would have lost. Happens. And by the way, they would have they would have lost to any team with a decent quarterback and not Ryan Tannehill being god awful. 100%. And when you look at the, the Chiefs, we know what they have. They've had it for a few years now. So, yeah, you've got to up the level of talent. And that's going to be the, the chore for Belichick, which we'll get into in a minute with the uh, member question of the day. I do think a lot of that's going to come from the draft. I don't think we should expect spending spree after spending spree. Last offseason, I think, mm -hmm. will be the anomaly because it was a must. So it's going to have to come through the draft. And, you know, you mentioned college and, and how it, it sets the stage for the NFL in moving forward, Nick Saban, and I know you put this quote in, in the uh, notes for us today, but I remember him saying this on the field, and I remember talking about it in my show, uh, you know, during my show in Virginia Beach. And he, he said, look, you know, it, it used to be that good defense beats good offense. Good defense doesn't beat good offense anymore. It used to be if you had a good defense, other people weren't going to score. You were always going to be in the game. I'm telling you, that ain't the way it is anymore. And so Saban sent – the message across the bow to, I think, the NFL saying this is where we're headed. And look, the NFL is not going to change it. They're not going to get in the way. They love offense. Did you see the ratings over the weekend? They're getting huge ratings. Fantasy football is as popular as it's ever been. They know it's all about the quarterback and it's all about the offense. If you think the NFL is going to all of a sudden reverse field and give us defensive rules that will help the defense, that's just not going to happen. So, You've got to have offensive skill positions and you've got to have speed. And I keep saying that word. I've said it for two years. I'm Yeah, I'm getting irritated. I'm going to tip the table over. This team needs speed. <laughs> Bill Belichick, speed. If you look at every team that makes a run, they have speed. And the Patriots don't have enough of it. All right, uh, let's get to the picks this weekend quickly. I want to let you know that Greg was two for two last week, straight up. He was two for two against the spread for the playoffs. He's eight and two. Straight up, he's seven and three in the uh, in the playoffs against the spread. I did not do for my show here in Sacramento. I didn't do the spread, uh, but I did do straight up. And I, I am uh, let me see, seven and three straight up. I was six and zero oh the first week. I was one and three last week. Uh, let's go to Bengals at the Chiefs. Chiefs giving seven, Greg. Yeah, I, that's a big number. I mean, I know it's in Kansas City. I haven't looked at the weather report, so I'm not sure what it is. Uh, I think that's a bit of a big number. I, I, The Bengals' defense is not something that I've been enamored with. Um, 
Have they played this season? Yes. Um, the the Bengals just beat them like three weeks ago or four weeks ago. Oh, yeah, you were right. 34-31. That's right. Cincy. Yeah. 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 Um, as you saw, high scoring. I'm not enamored with either of the offenses. Uh, but, you know, I think that I think that Burrow being, you know, relegated to the pocket uh, really helps Spagnolo. I think, you know, we didn't see Spagnolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator. Uh, it's funny because my son had a my son had a hockey game uh, the night of the uh, the KC game and the Bills game. And so I was listening to a lot on radio and I was telling my, you know, my wife and son, I'm like, watch Spags is going to zero blitz here. You know, it's going to be, and he never really did that. Yeah. And because of Josh Allen, I think he, you know, he's, he's just afraid and they, they couldn't cover everybody. Um, if they did zero blitz, somebody was going to be open. And, but I think that's in back in the arsenal for KC in this game. I think he looks at the nine sacks and says, I'm just going to come after them. I'll figure out we'll double chase. That's what the Titans did and largely took care of them. And like I said, the Bengals should have lost last week. Uh, if, if Ryan Tannehill was just average in that game. Um, and, uh, and the Titans didn't have that awful third and one fourth and one, um, sequence, uh, with the read option and then the Henry run and also over relying on Henry in that game. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I think, I think Patrick Mahomes, found something uh towards the end of the season i thought um you know in the playoffs he's you know for a long time he back to last season he was dealing with the turf toe and he really wasn't himself and it took a large portion of this season but i think you know the stretch that we saw against the steelers when they when they had an outburst for basically like 30 something points and then this past week i think he's back to being unstoppable uh, I don't like the Bengals. I don't like their defensive scheme, and I think Spags will go over them. So I'm going to go with the the, the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I think they're going to win win big in this game. So uh, I am. What am I taking the points? Or I'm you're giving the points. points. I'm giving the points. Yeah, you know more about this <laughs> stuff than I do. I'm giving the points. I think I think the Chiefs win by uh, double digits, like ten to fourteen points. I mean, I. I was going to say Chiefs by 10 to 14. You pretty much took everything out of my mouth. So I, I, Spagnolo, I think, is going to blitz. He's going to be aggressive. As I said, Cincinnati, I think, gave up. They were in the bottom five sacks given up this year. The offensive line stinks. It stunk last year. Mm-hmm. It stinks this year. Maybe even worse than last year. I, the only reason why the, the Bengals won that game, as you said, was Ryan Tannehill. Look back in history. How many teams win when their quarterback gets sacked nine freaking times? Uh, I did the math. I think... Uh, on my show this week, I did the math. So 80 yards, the Bengals had to drive 80 yards for nine points in that game because of all the field position that Tannehill gave Oof. them. Um, they had like a 39-yard drive, a 22-yard drive, and like a 15-yard drive or something like that wow. to, to get nine points. And then they had one Jamar Chase catch for 57 yards, which set up another field goal. So when it's not Chase killing you deep and it's not you know turnover after turnover – I just I think the Chiefs will get after Burrow. I think he'll make some plays. I think he'll also give up some plays and, and throw a pick or two. And I don't believe in this Cincy defense, especially on the road against Mahomes. So give me Chiefs 10 to 14. Um, 49ers at the Rams. Rams minus three and a half. And the interesting backdrop to this game, Greg, is that Kyle Shanahan has beaten Sean McVay. I think it's now six straight times. Uh, if they win on Sunday, it would be the seventh straight time that San Francisco has beat L.A. How do you feel about this one with the Rams giving three and a half? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, tough to beat a team three times in a year. Um, you know, I think that while I, I, I do not love Matthew Stafford and I did think he played, you know, well, uh, for him last week against the bucks. Uh, I don't think he'll be as good in this game. I just, you know, I, I don't like Jimmy, uh, against this kind of pressure against some of the coverage that the Rams can generate. And, uh, what is the spread? It's three and, three and a half. half. Yep. So I, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, am I laying the points? I'm going to go with the Rams by a field goal. They don't cover the three and a half. No. So you're taking the points. I'm you're taking, taking the, the t- <laughs> if you were taking the Rams, you're laying the points. You're giving the points. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think, what'd you say? Rams by a field goal. Yep. Yeah. I hate you. I was going to say the same damn thing. Uh, <laughs> I picked an, I picked, I swear to God, we're like, we're right on the same page. Um, I, I thought, you know, I picked the Niners. Uh, I mean, I picked the Rams last game. It was week 18. These teams just played in week 18 and, uh, the Rams got out to like a 17 zip lead and the Niners defense stepped up and they played better. And, um, somehow, some way the, the Niners were able to create some offense with Debo Samuel and the run game. And they came all the way back from 17 and, it went into overtime. A bunch of crazy things happened in that game. Uh, I do think the Niners defense will keep this close, but I, I think the Rams are just too talented. And I think OBJ is is better than he's ever been um, over the last two or three years. I think getting out of Cleveland did him wonders. And I just think the Rams will end up winning, but I think they do win by a field goal. I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a physical game, but uh, give me the Rams by three. BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. BSJ, $39.99 on the annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, I was going to say there's our graphic right there, nice little graphic at the bottom. Uh, But if you're a Patriots junkie, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are. A membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that uh, Mr. Bedard does on Coach's Film and direct access to them in weekly chats. Greg, we've got about two minutes. Do we have confidence that GM Belichick can restock this roster through the draft, free agency, and trades? Based on his performance over the last six years, I have my doubts, and who is I? I is Dr. Doug 49. Well, Dr. Doug, um, who who uh, he comments a lot on BSJ, I would, I would say that he tends to come from um, the pessimistic side of things, just to, just to put that out there. Um, I think that this is – there's a couple of factors that come into play with this, Dr. Doug. I think that, number one, is Dave Ziegler still here? Because yeah. he is a strong candidate for the Raiders. Yep. Uh, that could also mean Josh McDaniels. And just to give people a quick update there. Um, the last I have heard, McDaniels is still in sort of fact-finding mode on that. Um, obviously, the Raiders hire. And they're still going through a bunch of uh, interviews. I think they're having Todd Bowles in tomorrow, I think, the Raiders. Uh, they've <laughs> been talking to everybody. GM, coach, whatever. They better but ask Bowles how he could of, leave a safety one-on-one against Cup at the end of a at the end of a playoff game. Anyway, yes, uh, well, he'll be better than Gus Bradley, that's for sure. But um, you know, I, I if Ziegler gets the job in Vegas, let's just say even putting McDaniel's aside, uh, it puts them into sort of a pickle. They don't have any ready guy there. There's you know like you know Matt Grow and Steve Cargill and, and there's some other Brian Smith, you know, guys who have been there a while who could, you know, step up. Uh, 
I don't think any of them are ready for that role. Uh, I, there has been increasing whispers that if something happens, maybe one of their former executives, like a Scott Pioli, uh, mm. wants to get back into the mix and could be back. I think that's the best case scenario for the Patriots. But uh, if if Ziegler stays or they get somebody that uh, that is strong-willed and will stand up to Belichick and, and, and have a strong opinion, then I think they have a good chance to keep going. Now, is it is it going to be one year? I, I just want to see, look, they took a step this year. They did. Yep. And they, you know, there's more talent in spots than there were a year ago. They need to take another step this year. Um, you know, some guys who's not going to be back, who is going to be back. Uh, all of stuff that we will get into on the pod as we progress during the off season. We don't rush things. We don't try to, uh, you know, just throw things out there and just be like, oh yeah, Nelson Angle or this or that. No, we're we're in the process of, of reviewing the team and grading the team, and then we'll go from there ahead of free agency, and we'll take it slow, and we'll make sure that you get realistic and accurate information here on the pod. But you know, they need to take another step, and and they need to keep layering these drafts. If you know, they need another draft like they just had, where you get. Three contributors. They do that again this year. They get some of their injured guys, whether it's Cam McGrone or Joshua Bledsoe. Uh, If those guys can play and contribute, all the better. Uh, You know, bottom line is, with what we saw last year in terms of how they attacked free agency, and they might have to go more the trade route this year if they want to do some things. And the draft, I am encouraged. Um, that they are going in the right direction. So, and certainly Bill Belichick over what he's done over 20 plus years has earned a wide berth into terms of what he's doing. They took a, they went down after Brady left. We all knew that was probably going to happen. They took a step up this year. I'm encouraged. And I think they'll do it again this year. Take another step. Will it be enough? I don't know, but that's, that's okay. It's, it's a process and uh, I'm encouraged. And so, yes, I think Belichick is the guy to do that. Or I'm certainly giving more him more time to show us one way or the other. Yeah. I, I mean, I think when people look at it and I understand there's, there's going to be impatience when you've had such success that the Patriots have had, but everybody's got to take a deep breath. And I know we saw the end of the season again, it was, it was brutal. No excuse, no excuse whatsoever, but You know, big picture wise, they've got a quarterback now. And and if you look at some spots, they definitely improved. I thought Belichick's process, as I've read it, and as you've said, Greg, was different than it was in prior years. And the results shown themselves. They had a really good draft this year. So I think we should focus on that and say, hey, well, maybe he figured it out. Maybe the light went off and he has changed his ways and he is delegating more. And he's, he's believing in the people around him to make some of these decisions. And he's taking that information in differently than he did in past years. But big picture, I mean, People look at what happens to teams when they lose their quarterbacks. It's not an easy thing to come back from. I mean, even Mm -hmm. Indy lost Rivers, and they had a drop-off with Wentz. Look look at what happened, you know, to New Orleans this year without Drew Brees, even though Brees wasn't great anymore. It still hurt them. Let's see what happens in Pittsburgh without Ben Roethlisberger. It's a very difficult thing to come back from losing a guy And the guy that the Patriots lost was the greatest of all time. And to be back in the playoffs this year, no matter how the season ended, that's a win because not many organizations would be able to flip and come back the next year and get into the playoffs after what happened with Brady. 
And so let's see if they can build on that. It's not to say that that will allow Belichick to do whatever he wants the next three, four years. And if they suck, let's all be happy about it. That is not the point. Don't get it twisted. The point is we saw some gradual improvement this year. And I think people should should take that as a good sign and see if they can build off of it. And if they can't, we'll criticize them. But I do think they made the moves and they got better. And we'll see if they can do it again this offseason. You know, it's, it's not easy in the NFL to go from where the Patriots were to out of the playoffs to back to the playoffs the very next year. And that's what they did. So we'll see if they can build it. Uh, Greg mm-hmm. Bedard looks like a different guy. He's, he's trim. He's looking good. He's lost, as he said, a 12-year-old from his body. He's, <laughs> you're looking great. And we're doing this podcast now, Coast to Coast. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is now officially Coast to Coast. One guy oh, yeah. is... One guy is on the East Coast. One guy is on the West Coast. I am so happy. About to be hit by a huge storm on Saturday, by the way. So screw uh, you, Cattles. I, I will not bring up the weather. I will I will not anger people. I will not bring up the weather. But uh, it's great to be back. And don't forget, betonline.ag. Uh, he is Greg. I'm Nick. This was the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle. <laughs>